Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. Uh, they create this atomic bomb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the bomb blows up. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, so sorry, sir. Welcome to A Castle with No Name. We are your hosts. I'm Jay. And I'm Matt. And this is episode 66. And this episode, we are in a special location for the 10-year PopCon Indie in Indianapolis, day three. So thank you, Brandon, from the Brandon Peter Show and the PopCon Association for having us today. Yes, thank you. So uh, what we're going to be talking about this episode is the... Christopher Nolan masterpiece, Oppenheimer, which came out a couple months ago. And, Love the uh, shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure, buddy. <laughs> so what we're going to be doing today, we're just going to be doing a normal thing. However, if we say something you guys don't like, you have a differing opinion, please, we encourage you to come up and uh, talk about Oppenheimer with us. Yes, please. But uh, let's get down to it. So Oppenheimer. We, did it. we finally did it. We finally watched it. I can't believe it. After <laughs> vacations. Kids, yeah. activities, yep. everything else that happens in life, we uh, we finally got to see it. I feel like we were the last people to see this movie. Sadly, we did not see the Barbenheimer double no. feature. I we weren't able to do that. Did you, after seeing this movie, did you want to go see Barbie? Kind of. I did too. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I, like, I mean, it's making more money. I was like, it's got to be more, at least, relatable for some than more the more so than others. Yeah, I know. Um, but, yeah, let's get into it. We have... Uh, a limited time, so we're going to hit it hard and heavy. Yep. But uh, let's start with first impressions. What were your first impressions? My first impressions, first and foremost, it was shot beautifully. I, I think it looked fantastic. Yeah. Um, looked great. I love the music. Um, there was. It uh, wasn't Hans Zimmer, by the way. I didn't know that. It wasn't. Uh, it kind of reminded me of what they did with uh, the Interstellar music. So right, Interstellar, right. he kind of put uh, Hans Zimmer put in. Uh, clicks uh, or clock ticks. Or they timed it to yep. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, time dilation, yeah. Um, had a lot of uh, kind of realistic sounds incorporated into a score. That I kind of noticed in this one too mm -hmm. with the Geiger counter. They kind of weave that into the music, which I really, really enjoyed. Um, but overall, the main first impression, I thought it was a little too long. And you don't say. <laughs> which I love long run times in movies, but. <laughs> What I mean is why did it why did it feel too long for you? Uh, for me, it was even though I love the music, they put intense music over what felt like most of the movie. Right, and I uh, well, we can go into deeper why that really didn't work for me too much, but it was incessant dialogue, which is great. I like those kinds of movies, but with the music over on top of it, it. And along with the narrative structure as far as how he can kind of constructed the story. That, that's kind of what felt a little too long because I was missing the rising action, the falling action. I was, I was wondering wh at what point in the movie am I currently in. Yeah. About the two and a half hour mark is when the... Did your mind wander? Uh, quite a bit. <laughs> um, but it's about the two and a half hour mark was when I first looked at my watch and... Uh, I, I hate having to look at my watch right. whenever I, I watch something. But, um, but again, shot beautifully. Music was fantastic. Uh, I thought the acting was great. Mm -hmm. um, but I have some nitpicks and some things that just didn't quite work for me in this movie, um, which we'll dive in here in a little bit. Right. So what was your first impressions? So I, 
we've talked about this before. Christopher Nolan's on my top five directors, so the bar is high for this man. And uh, I got to admit, a lot like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because I put Tarantino at such a high bar, I, this might be my least favorite Nolan movie. Really? I would okay. say. It's probably not a popular opinion, but I'm with you. I just, and we'll get, we'll get into it. I didn't think the story warranted uh, a three-hour runtime. I didn't know if the subject matter in the movie warranted three hours of explanation. The, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to say maybe it could if it was, if the narrative structure was set up in a classic narrative structure. Yeah, um, there's yeah. some people that I've talked to that actually like that, like how it was presented yeah. and everything. It didn't work for me um, because one, I mean, we'll just get into it with spoilers and everything else. I, do you recommend seeing this? No, <laughs> I no, <laughs> I, I recommend seeing it. Maybe not in theater. theaters. Yeah, and 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 it kills me just because it looks so good. It does look good, and yeah. I love when movies are shot on IMAX. Um, but I I would say at least watch it. It's probably gonna warrant a rewatch. But yeah. with the yeah. length and the way it was kind of paced and everything else, I'm gonna have a hard time to want to rewatch this. Yeah, because it's such a long uh, commitment, especially if you, you do know, need some breaks in there. Yeah, um, but break but, it up a bit. But let's get into it. So, okay. um, I guess the the biggest issue for me was maybe just the narrative structure. Right. Um, oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. Uh, they create this atomic bomb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the bomb blows up. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, so, sorry, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the narrative structure for me, the, 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 and again, this is what's going to warrant a rewatch. Uh, the way the story was told with um, starting out with the hearings then popping from a smaller hearing to a Senate hearing back to the beginning of his life then kind of progresses from there for a little bit in the middle. Um, it being a first time watcher of it, I didn't read the book, which the book with, uh, this movie was based on is American Prometheus, which yep. was written about 2005. And that book tells his story in five parts and it, and it's fairly linear. It's beginning like beginning of his childhood and uh, how he had um, a, a great love for the American Southwest, how yeah. he loved uh, mathematics and science and all that. And then it kind of went into um, his college years, then him heading up the uh, Manhattan Project of Los Alamos. And then it kind of goes into his personal side of things. And then how America kind of took away his notoriety or just kind of diminished his character as a person. Did um, you know about any of the history before you watched it? I didn't. And, I didn't that, and that's why, because I felt like I should have read that book before I watched this yes, movie. Yes, yeah. And when when I watch a movie, and this is just me personally, I feel like I, I shouldn't have to do homework yeah. to go into a movie to enjoy yep. it. And I felt like I was missing quite a, quite a lot. I feel like this movie was possibly made for... Uh, at least from my point of view, people who are already well aware of the story or um, had some kind of familiarity with right. the subject matter as opposed to kind of going in blind. Because since we started doing the show, I've changed the, completely the way I go into movies to where I don't research anything. I, I w I'll watch a trailer or two, but that's about it. Right. And I don't. I you don't, don't want, want your opinion tainted. Anything. Yeah, yeah, I don't want my opinion tainted. I, I just want to go in there as a blank slate. Right. So it was the narrative structure, the way, the reason why it kind of didn't work for me, I didn't have any relation as far as 
the differences in time. I mean, I know they shot stuff in black and white that took mm-hmm. place during a certain time, but as far as chronological order, when the years this happened, they, they said it in dialogue, but it was very quick, very passing in a three-hour-long movie. Yep. It's hard to kind of, at least for me, to kind of keep that in order. Um, and so some of the, I guess, not treason but just kind of like the backstabbing that happens because of what Oppenheimer has done I think it would have hit for me a little bit more if I would have had some kind of concept as far as how long did that ago did that happen Mm -hmm. or how recent did that happen did someone hold a grudge for X amount of years I had no uh, relative notion as far as when these things kind of happen to each other. I, I knew this happened before that, but how long ago? And some of that I feel like um, may have been, I think, maybe worked a little bit better if it was more of a linear um, narrative or the right. story was told in a more linear way. Right. Well, I think that's a drawback in the movie, though. The I don't think a lot of people know that the background in the story of Oppenheimer, especially the, they know about the atomic bomb and the Manhattan Project, but uh, the hearings where uh, I don't—I already forget the senator's name. I think it was Senator Strauss. Strauss, yep. Right, right. Where he was being appointed or co- confirmed on whatever intelligence committee he was supposed to be appointed to. Like no one knows that story. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I'm watching it, I'm like, like you said, I'm doing homework while I'm watching the movie, trying to figure out what what are we doing here? Yeah. What's the point of this? Mm-hmm. And it, it would have hit harder if I already had background and, and a knowledge of what exactly we're even watching. Yeah, and I think. Once, what I'll probably end up doing before I do a rewatch is reading that. Exactly. Just to get more background, get more familiarity, because it's just kind of jumping into it, which I love. Like, you have movies like Cool Hand Luke, where it just kind of jumps you in the middle of a situation with characters. This movie kind of does that, too. But because of the back and forth with the the narrative structure of when things happen when, it, it it was hard for me on a first viewing to be able to connect those pieces and feel anything really emotionally about these characters a lot of the characters that i felt an emotional connection to were side characters so emily blunt's character uh kitty oppenheimer uh matt damon's character uh david krumholtz um i gravitated more towards those characters i feel like because some of their situations were presented more a little bit more linearly or you you felt a little bit more uh traditional flow as far as what they experienced with oppenheimer so i think that's probably why I connected with that to where at the end of this movie I kind of just felt not bland but just not sure what to feel like I uh, right I mean I kind of felt oh yeah they kind of screwed the guy over yeah but I feel like maybe Do you think they should have even had that in the movie like no. the whole hearing thing uh I think if they did I think it would because uh Aviator kind of played on with that they kind yeah. of go to the hearing and they kind of hit back and forth I I don't if they if they if you wanted to jump around, I think keep it at one specific spot. Yeah, going from the Senate hearing to the uh, more private initial hearing, as far as getting a security clearance, um, and then hopping back and forth between those three points. I think if they would have left it at two, I think it would probably at least for me been a little bit more impactful. Yeah, um, and. Uh, one easier to follow because I'm an idiot. So oh, you're real smart. I know. I I, I read books, but they got to have pictures. And sure. <laughs> so, but I, I think it would have just been a little bit, I guess, more beneficial for, I mean, idiots like me to for be the able layman. to follow it. Yeah, you can, for the you layman. Can say it. It's fine. And um, <laughs> but I, I so think you would you would have structured it more linearly. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and you could have had to go back and forth between the Senate hearing because then you could kind of play kind of, uh, oh, maybe they're, they're celebrating him or right. just talking about his. And then you have at, at the end to where, no, this whole thing was just to kind of degrade and diminish his contribution to science, to um, what he did for uh, the, the American country and all that stuff. Right. So, I mean, that was the main thing that didn't work. Right. Um, because it just kind of gave me la- the lack of proper context yep. throughout the whole film. That's fair. Um, but what were some of your favorite aspects of this? I mean, the acting was unbelievable. Everyone in it was great. I love when actors pop up when you don't expect it. Like, Casey Affleck was the, uh, uh, yeah. what was he like? He was like the uh, secret, super secret general. Yeah. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, he was like Matt Damon's I boss think that was his character like name, yeah. Super Secret General. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he popped up. I wasn't expecting him. He was great. Uh, got Kenneth Branagh. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Tony Goldwyn. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. Who? Yeah, Benny Softy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of heavy hitters, a lot of, oh, they were, a lot of great character actors. I thought Matt Damon was awesome. Yeah, Josh Hartnett. Yeah, I always like seeing him and things. Um, in Crumholtz, I wasn't. Yeah. I did. I was like, oh, that is David Crumholtz. Bernard wow. from the Santa Claus fan. Yeah, <laughs> Bernard. Bernard connect. <laughs> yeah, acting. Acting, I thought was great. The um, script was. I mean, it, I'll say this: it is impressive that. I mean, the script is really, really good because you're fitting so much. Even in three hours, it felt rushed because mm-hmm. they're trying to cram everything in it. Yeah, and that's again, it's a drawback. But at the same time. Given what they had to fit that into three hours is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it's shot beautifully. Yeah, I, mean, I, uh, I like that it's mainly a drama, but it was still shot in IMAX. Yes. However, the entire time, are you like, why are they shooting this in IMAX? I was like, uh, I was thinking the same I, thing. I, well, I was just thinking, I was like, not not why are they shooting in IMAX, but I was just thinking, I was like, man, if David Fincher directed this, and and this is like uh, what if situations to where, yeah, yeah. I mean, Nolan isn't necessarily. Gr- in my opinion, great at dramatic. You said this before. Things and yeah, yeah. I, I, I think there's some people that can hit emotional beats in films a lot better than others. And I would agree. Yeah. Um, but Nolan, yeah, that's not a strong suit. Yeah, I mean, well, like James, I saw uh, we saw Nolan, and right after I saw Nolan, we saw Guardians of the Galaxy three on streaming. And I had tears in my eyes watching that movie, and I felt nothing during Oppenheimer, which I, which I feel like I should have been. Did you really cry something. during Guardians? Day? I didn't cry, but I was like starting. Oh, you will. I was bawling in the corner, yeah, and yeah. my daughters were asking, "Daddy, why are you crying?" <laughs> um, but no, but I think that is a good some, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's expected. The uh, but not to go on a tangent here, but I did watch uh, Volume Three the other yeah. day, and I was. Not expecting it to be that emotional. Yeah, it was very no, good. It, it was great. <laughs> it was, it was good. fantastic. And yeah. and that's and granted, you were introduced to those characters and you've been exposed to them over right, right. multiple you, movies. Right, right. But at the same time, three-hour runtime, you should still be able to hit those kind of beats. Now, one thing that did work for me, um, there was a lot of flack when this movie came out when they were talking about the nudity in the movie. Uh huh. Yeah. And there's two notable parts. One in a hotel room where they're sitting on chairs and they're kind of Oppenheimer and uh, Fluence Pitt Pitt. are uh, talking. Oppenheimer's pretty much saying, I'm not going to see you again. Yeah. And which that left me with a very distinct feeling of, I never want to sit in a hotel chair again. Um, But so you had that scene and then, but then you had another scene which had the more notable uh, nudity is when Oppenheimer is being questioned by the smaller 
um, uh, hearing as far as yeah. getting his security clearance uh, reinstated. And uh, you look from Emily Blunt's point of view, and you see Florence Pugh on top of right, right. Oppenheimer, and they're acting out. I thought that was a phenomenally shot. I, I, I thought it worked. A lot of people brought up conversations as far as, oh, d- narratively, it doesn't make sense. I was like, absolutely. That is probably the first instance I can remember as far as, other than, um, oh, that, that movie, uh, The Best Man with Tay Diggs. So that, yeah. that movie had another kind of, it reminded me of that scene to where they're having the wedding scene at, um, the, be- uh, at the end of that movie, and you see the groom's, flashback or his imagination of his wife as his wife's walking up because his wife right relations with his best man yeah that you kind of see his mental image and he's just kind of plowing through going through that to get married anyways but you could always see that kind of recollection of what he's always kind of gonna think about whenever he looks at her and i think they did the uh a similar thing with that with emily blunt looking at oppenheimer and they're discussing his relationship with uh florence Pugh's character and all she can see is just what they did and her imagination. I thought that was very effectual, very good as far as kind of illustrating the trauma that you have when when your partner does commit infidelity or something right. like that. I thought it was very well done, illustrated the point very, very well. It's probably one of my favorite parts of the movie just because it was kind of like a kick in the stomach. Like you right. immediately know how she feels um, as this gets brought up. Even though she's well aware of what happened, it still hurts, and it's very real, very, uh, very well done. Well, and you have Emily Blunt. Yeah. She's awesome. Yeah, awesome at acting. Her but, portion in the, the hearing, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, very good. I'll, 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 I'll uh, counterpoint that. I agree with you that I think – I, I didn't know that this was, like, a controversial thing. The whole I had no idea. Yeah. I, so I wasn't expecting it, but I agree with you that it was used – strategically mm-hmm. it had some dramatic impact emotional beats but i still don't understand i don't understand why there needs to be nudity in movies anymore as i get older this is my old crotchety old man <laughs> it's, it's like boo <laughs> so i i just don't get it anymore i, I don't agree know most why of the time it. it's probably not warranted however i i do think i i think it's warranted in some spots because i mean you have the sitcom situation Sure. Where you have the L sheet. The, sure. The, the sheet. I mean, it immediately takes me out of out of the movies. Right. I'm like, well, it obviously wasn't in their contract kind of a thing. Not that, but I, I agree. I think there are some scenes that can be left right. alone um, because a lot of the times it is put in there for. Right. Well, there, the scene you're talking about, I was thinking to myself, wow, this is this is taking longer than it should. <laughs> like, why is it? Why, why is there a 30 second shot of this? I get it. You know, I get it, Chris. You could have done five seconds. It would have been fine. But, you know, right now I'm fighting with my 18-year-old self. But um, anyway. But, yeah. I mean, in part of maybe the reason why it was so lengthened is to make the audience feel uncomfortable. That could be it. And, and just fair. to kind of get that across. Yeah. Um, so. Oh, so. Yes. Go. Yeah. What did you think of. So I, I love movies like this, and I wish the movie was more about. I was more interested in the making of the bomb mm-hmm. and that whole process, the trouble, the troubleshooting, uh, figuring it out, problem-solving process. The movie I think of right away is Apollo 13, where I know the ending of the movie, but that whole movie is about problem-solving, mm-hmm. and it's, it's very thrilling and impactful. I wish this movie was just about that. I think it would have been better. But once we, once we get to the point of the bomb, what did you think of 
the bomb itself, like that whole scene. I thought it was okay. I thought it was underwhelming. I, my, yeah. my favorite explosion was when they were testing the uh, detonator. Right. And you had that little shock wave coming yep. after it. And um, well, they, I enjoyed that scene more. But I think, I mean, with the making of the bomb, I mean, yeah, I was kind of part about that. But, I, I mean, overall, obviously, I think the – and someone chime in if you have a different thing that you want to kind of note. But I feel like most, most of the film was about how this person – dedicated a portion of his life how he was uh with the people around him it was more about the person and how a country that he gave like total loyalty to treated him in the end and how we do that to our quote-unquote national heroes that kind of put us above other because it, it wasn't really glorifying the bomb i think it was more of a statement almost as far as um i mean how we treat people in this country right once we get what we want out of them. Right. Part of me thinks it was an excuse uh, for him to make a, basically a biography about Oppenheimer, and he's like, oh, by the way, there's just going to be an explosion. It's gonna, this is going to be an explosion in the middle of this. All right, that's how I get people in this, seats. This is how I got the movie Greenland. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be an atomic bomb that's going to be, you know, get the, get, the, get the butts in the seats. Yeah. Sir, um, what do you, what, what sir, you yes. think? What's your name? I'm Alan. Alan? Alan. Um, so the bomb, what do you think of the the gymnasium speech after the bomb where they did the bomb again oh that i enjoyed i enjoyed um, it more than the actual bomb yeah and i i thought it was a great show i mean i liked how it kind of intercut between everyone cheering mm-hmm. and you would just see his face his reaction his knowledge as far as what happened to other people and then then he has to say that cliche rah rah mm-hmm. go team portion of the speech everyone loses their mind again right to where i I enjoyed that scene because it showed the conflict as far as what he was able to bring to the world but also it mirrored the the destruction that he i mean he he caused yeah he's he's, and the fact that it's kind of torn like it's his greatest achievement in life Mm -hmm. but it's the effects of that achievement has such a drastic effect on anybody who's truly directly affected by it right so like, so yeah, I thought the the second. So when I I saw it in the seventy millimeter IMAX, it was packed, and when the second bomb went off, the whole place like rose up two feet like in the air because no one knew it was coming. They jumped with the first bomb, because there's a delay, mm-hmm. right? The sound, yeah. But the second one, the place freaked out. Really, it's like one of my favorite times things going to a theater ever, seeing in a movie was that moment. We just feeling the whole place rise up out of their seats because you didn't know it was coming. Wow. And didn't, so that was a pretty impactful moment. Um, See, and that's where I messed up because I didn't. I, that's how it's supposed to be seen probably. I yeah. saw it at Regal on gotcha. a normal screen. Oh, with that terrible intro they have? <laughs> like, I can't go to a Regal with that intro like, <laughs> where they're all quoting movies. and Yeah, yeah. To, oh. yeah it is pretty bad. Oh, they do have a booth here, but um, good theater. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, I'm I'm higher on the movie than you guys. I really liked it a lot. But I'm kind of w- so you said like oh, I think it might be my least favorite. So I come out of it. I'm like I really like this movie. And then I'm like, where's it at with me and Nolan? So I'm like, is it better than like Interstellar? No. Is it better than Inception? No. Dark Knight? No. And it was like going down the line. But I, I like it better than Insomnia. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, his first one. What was uh, following? Black following. Following. Yeah. Um, I don't. I might have liked it better than Dunkirk. But like in there but i'm like oh that's weird because i really enjoyed this movie but like tarantino like so i i love once upon a time in hollywood (laughs) it's like his favorite one i think it's it's a great hangout got a vibe and 
uh, like that. So, but I'm agree with you. I'm like, I come out high. Like, so you're like, eh, but I'm high on it, but I'm still like, well, in the Nolan chain, yeah. it might be low, but it's a well-made movie. It really is. Yeah. Um, I like shooting a drama in IMAX like that. Like, cause I have a, a friend and I talk about how movies today don't even like, there's a, so many people can make movies, which is great, but we don't even shoot talking scenes interesting anymore. No, we don't. This yeah. one does, it and does. that's why, like, they just—it's uh, two people get them, you know, back forth, back forth, and that's what I loved about this. It's like, oh, even the just talking—you know, it is all talking, but even when people can just shoot people talking interestingly, take the time, be like, where, where can we be effective and convey something? Like, even the boring decisions are made aren't even a boring shot, but just to take the care to make it look interesting was. Good mm-hmm. enough for me. Um, the high technical value will win me over anyway. It flew by for me, so I get the three-hour thing. That's fine. And then I don't know. I see Nolan a lot of Nolan thing narratively. I'm expecting stuff like that. I didn't know sh- anything about American Prometheus beforehand, but I learned a lot when mm-hmm. I'm watching this movie. So yeah. um, I did like that. There was a duality with him and Strauss getting denied. Yeah. That I kind of like, and I kept thinking because I didn't know anything. I'm like, Oppenheimer's going to show up in the courtroom, right? Like, this is what we're leading, yeah, and it was like something, like, he had a presence there that was not there, but it was there strongly and stuff, and then revealing him to be a villain, something that, in a biopic, is weird, but effective for me. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, I, like I said, I'm very high on this movie, but, like, low on the chain of Nolan, but I had, a, I had a good time with it, and, yeah, I didn't know anything about it. There were some things where I'm like, okay, but Nolan's a vibe guy, where he, he gives the audience credit. He's like, I trust that you're a smart person. And I don't need to spoon feed things to you. I do like that. And about I like, and it's today. That's yeah. here. That's tenant. That's inception. Like, and that's what I, I kind of lo- love about him. But yeah, and I, I'm interested to see a second time if it's as effective for me as it was, you know. But I, you know, you guys took forever. I saw opening hype Barbenheimer. When we, I saw Barbie on Sunday, and then uh, <laughs> Oppenheimer on Monday. So I got in the fever of that, and it was 70 millimeter, and I was excited. I took my son to it, like, and. It was just a good experience. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. So I went during the hype. You guys let it go. But I agree. I don't disagree with your opinions up here. But I'm, I guess, like, I'm high on the movie. But, I like, I understand the qualms. So Yeah. And, and I think that's something to note, too. Because I think, because I've been, the only thing that I've been looking at after we watched is I was eager to see what other people's feedback was. And a lot of people, and I think it's probably the same kind of people that went and saw it during the hype while everyone's mm-hmm. in there. Because that will definitely change your feeling of a movie. Yeah, um, I think one of my best theater going experiences was going to see Grindhouse, and oh, yeah. it was opening night, first night. Didn't even wasn't even like a thing. It was just we were bored that night. Ah, let's go see Grindhouse, and it was the perfect atmosphere, the perfect audience because you had a bunch of Robert Rodriguez, a bunch of Tarantino fans, and it was the correct attitude in there, right. and it was fantastic. You'd be stunned that movie bombed with how hyped your screenings I know. were. Yeah. That. Like I saw the Chinese theater open weekend, and it was like this is a this is a great week. Everybody was like partying. It was like felt like yeah. a party. Everybody got it. And no, like nobody was going to see that movie. Yeah. Chinese theater in L.A. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. where I went. Yeah, I it was down the street from my apartment. And oh, I cool. Went to it and just like yeah, it was. We were all talking about it that weekend, and we saw the box office. And we're like, well, it was crowded over there. Like, what right. happened? But the, and one person pulled me like, hey, they the advertisements was, hey, we're making intentionally poor movies. Come see them. Two of them. Yeah. You know, but now I think I don't know. There's appreciation for it, and those who saw it saw it. But, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. 
I'm Alan. Thank you, Alan. Thanks, Alan. Alan. So, <laughs> yeah, I will let you guys back to your thing. <laughs> the um, <clears throat> Alan touched on something. It, uh, he was talking about the dialogue scenes. Yeah. And so, and and I touched on the music. I enjoyed the music. I enjoyed the dialogue scenes. One of my favorite. Um, I liked Emily Blunt's hearing scene, and then I liked, uh, I believe is like after a reception or some kind of um, event, and they were sitting around a cocktail table um, at the end of it, and they were kind of discussing uh, the next phase as far as what they needed to do. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah. Um, I yep. enjoyed that scene. The use of music, the music itself, amazing, love it. But the use of music throughout that whole movie, I felt, was kind of detrimental because, because it had that... I mean, the music was just intense music throughout the entire movie. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So and I did, everyone was talking about the intensity of the music throughout the dialogue scenes that it would kind of drown out people talking. Mm -hmm. I didn't get that sense at Regal. But in IMAX, was it? So, like yeah, the theater time? I was in, they had a little bit better sound system. And it, at times, it would drown out. Um, because I saw John Wick 4 in the same theater. Yeah. The exact same theater, and it's still the same, to where I was like, ah, oh, crap, where are the subtitles? And uh, <laughs> For a John Wick movie? <laughs> where are the subtitles? And, and, <laughs> I um, need some context. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, I mean, it would kind of drown out, but it was more of, like, the feeling that you were getting, because it felt like the whole movie was, was feeling kind of intense throughout the entire three-hour runtime. And... I use musical cues to mm -hmm. kind of reorient yourself. This is important. Yeah. This is supposed to be kind of a lull. So, like, I, I, I think music, when used well, it kind of guides the audience, how they should be feeling emotionally, what they should be paying attention to, what, uh -huh. what is building up to something great. And a lot of the music was just very epic-sounding, intense music. And being placed throughout the whole film, al along with the in... Uh, non-linear narrative structure it felt like okay everything is important which that I get but I, I couldn't pick up on the varying degrees of importance I didn't know should I really be paying attention to this or should I not let my mind wander or is this just kind of like a we're transitioning to the next thing so yeah. setting up for the next scene kind of a thing um, it, it felt like everything was always important always intense but the that's what he wanted. Everything's important. <laughs> yeah, but the, but the effectiveness I think has been used better for some movies like Uncut Gems. Yeah, I was on the edge of my seat, feeling anxiety, the entire movie. Oh, it's like a panic attack. And movie. I don't know if it was Nolan's intention to kind of have people have that anxiety. Like I felt like okay, maybe everything's important. Everything's, but it didn't. I feel like it was executed a little bit better in Uncut Gems. Granted, totally a different movie, but that sense of uneasiness throughout the whole watching experience, I feel like was a lot better, but that movie was also considerably shorter than right. what this movie was. So I don't know if it, I just kind of got numb to it, um, but I think the use of the use of the music that was created, I think, didn't work as well for me. It felt, it felt too over the top every single scene to where I couldn't differentiate, okay, hey, maybe I should pay attention to this right. a little bit more, which granted, I like how, <clears throat> how when Alan said earlier, he doesn't hold your hand necessarily, Yeah, but... Um, I think in some instances it's okay, especially for a three-hour duration. I think. Were you, were you surprised that he didn't go into the details, like more dialogue about physics and quantum mechanics? Because I was expecting that. Like, okay, we're going to go down the rabbit hole of like equations and stuff. 
I, I because think of like tenant, like the ten, like tenant, they're just over-explaining entropy mm-hmm. and stuff. So I was expecting that to, to be the same thing here in this movie, and it wasn't at all. And I, I don't think he went. Yeah, he didn't go that deep. Not really. It. They kind of spoken in a broad yeah. spectrum, broad which brushes. maybe he was not allowed. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's maybe. so much detail you can't yeah. really go into. But um, but I think uh, I, I I was okay with that, not going deep deep down into it because it should i mean i i feel like this movie was more about the actual characters yeah it was and um and the result of that but um i thought it was funny that they thought they were gonna like catch the atmosphere on fire yeah i mean <laughs> like that, look at this equation i just made i'm like then they're reading it and i'm like uh. and granted i mean i i feel like and that's why i'm like i, I feel like the subject matter might have been handled and not that christopher nolan is a bad director but he is good or he's better at some things than he is right. at others not that and, he's a bad director <laughs> and but he's <laughs> yeah he's all right he's okay I, I think he's got another he's job all right um, he's probably the only guy who could make him him or tarantino like hey i want to make a movie about oppenheimer a three-hour biopic and yeah. guess what i want to shoot it in imax yeah, and i and i Give love that he has million that. dollars i love that he has that power And I love that he has that kind of power, that he can take yeah. a small subject like that and really blow it up, shoot it in IMAX, get the budget that he wants. And, um, well, I guess Universal now will give him the thumbs up because I'm not sure if he's with Warner Brothers. It wasn't Warner, yeah. It was um, Universal. But I, I do think I'm, I was more interested to see. I was like, I would love to see David Fincher direct this in IMAX. Hey. Good morning. Thank you, Michael Rooker. What is that, Zandu? <laughs> Dude, I just watched Cliffhanger the other day. I yeah. love that movie. He's so good in it. <laughs> I, I always think of Mallrats first. Time. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> not a good one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But the um, could you imagine shopping for chocolates and then like Michael Rooker's right next to you? That'd be funny. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad the movie was successful. I'm glad he yeah. shot a dramatic movie in IMAX. Yeah. And but I, I I would be eager to see other directors take on that as well. It just better dramatic directors. So when you were watching this and you thought David Fincher, were you thinking like Ooh Zodiac? Like if if we shoot, shoot this like <laughs> yeah 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 uh, yeah you like you some Zodiac for sure yeah love me some Zodiac. Um, but I. But I was also thinking about the social network. I oh, mean, yeah. Because my mind, the other thing with this, because it was so long, there was a lot of talking, which I sound like an idiot for saying this, but <laughs> my mind would wander. We have a podcast and we're talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my mind would wander when I was watching this yeah. movie. And it wouldn't be long. It would be five seconds. Yeah. But within that five seconds, I would have to snap myself out. I'm like, oh, crap. I, I got to be paying attention. But... And maybe that's just my attention span. Maybe it's just because it didn't, I didn't gravitate to the story. And this was like an hour into it, yeah. hour and a half into it. I would be, my mind would just start to wander because I didn't have a context. I didn't have any kind of assumptions. And I really wasn't that engrossed in the story. Yeah. And that's what did it. And I feel like there are several things that 
contributed to that. Most of all was the narrative flow, the music. Um, and so then my mind would kind of start to drift. I'm not going to lie. After the bomb went off, like the last hour of that movie, I was kind of like trailing off because the big payoff was what, what, what did he act? What was the actual context of the conversation between him and Einstein that set mm-hmm. Strauss off? Yeah. Like that was the big revelation and it didn't, it didn't hit yeah. as hard as I thought it was going to. It, it didn't hit for me either. It felt like, because during that scene, when Robert Downey Jr. was kind of going, I was like, well, he did this and this yeah. and this. And I was like, he feels like a, a child, yeah. which is fine. I'm sure people in politics and people in positions of power hold grudges like that on the most sure. minute, stupid things. Yeah. And I like that aspect of the story. However, I don't feel like it paid off that well. He came off as like a campy villain. I don't think it did. And yeah. it, the, the payoff of, I, I'm, I'm just unsure of what the effect he wanted to have right. during that scene was. Um, and I was just unsure of what he was trying to say. If he was just, I'm going to present this movie. Here's the facts. You feel how you want to feel. Okay. But typically, I mean, you want to have a voice when you do a biopic. You want to have some kind of message. And I feel like that message for me was muddled because after I got done watching it, I was just unsure of what to feel after I watched it. I, uh, Christy and I walked out of the theater and... What'd she uh, say? <laughs> Did she like she, it? She was like, it's good. <laughs> which, which is her typical, she, she doesn't want to say anything. Right, like, right, right. I, it's fine. I always put her on the spot because she yeah. like, but I think we both were just indifferent about yeah. it. And, and I think I was expecting more because I love Nolan's work. Um, I love the chances that he takes. Um, it was so hyped. Yeah. It was, That's why. And I just think it might have, the subject matter I think might have lent itself better to a different director. Um, I think Nolan is great at spectacle, mm-hmm. um, getting, setting emotional beats within films. I don't think is a strong suit. And, um, I think a director like David Fincher who can make coding in the social network look interesting and kind of engage you right. that way. Um, he's very effective at that. And so I, the, the whole movie, I was kind of, I was honestly thinking, I was like, man, I wonder how this would look if it was directed by Fincher and written by Aaron Sorkin. And because this kind of feels more like a movie up his alley, more so than Christopher Nolan's right. alley. I agree Christopher you. Nolan, I feel like is more high concept. Yeah. And maybe he kind of gravitated toward this because he wanted a either creative limitations or something. I mean, he hasn't really done a biopic before. So, no. um, I don't think it warrants a. It's not a spectacle. I mean, obviously, the, the setting up of the bomb is spectacle, but everything else is not. Yeah, it's a it's a dramatic movie. Yeah, and um, I, if he was going to do that, I think he, I mean, my biggest thing he should just, in my mind, maybe, I think it would have been a little bit more impactful if he had it more in a linear, storytelling format, more of a straightforward. You can't tell you can't tell stories in linear fashion anymore. But it's. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think I was talking to Alan before the, the show, and he was saying how that, that worked <laughs> for him because it was better than a normal biopic. Right. But with the biopic, you kind of grow with, with that the character. character. Yeah. And if you, want to be re- if you want that relationship with that character, it's a lot easier to obviously start from the beginning. You're experiencing their childhood along with them. You start looking at things through their viewpoint, and then that helps you connect with the character. Um, but... Maybe he just maybe he wanted to keep it more factual, based on actual accounts, not 
dramatize or take creative license for a lot of things, which yeah. I could see him wanting to do. He wants to be fact-based. But I, I think we need to have somebody we travel along with in that journey, and it was tough to do that with the main character because Killian's Murphy performance, although great, it was very stoic. And that may have been how he was as a person. Yeah. Um, but And I think that's the importance of taking some creative liberties when telling a story is getting somebody on that side with... Um, getting the audience on that side with that person so that way you can tell it. Right. Because uh, my initial response walking out of the theater was, I kind of want to see this entire story from the point of view of Kitty Oppenheimer. Right. Because she was the one I connected to most um, throughout that film. Do you, and I agree with you. I thought uh, Killian, is it Chillian or Killian? Killian? Killian. Killian. He was great, but I was thinking the whole, the whole time, like, this is kind of... He's doing great, but it's kind of one note. He's, his personality, he doesn't really have a... He, he has a personality, yeah, but he doesn't have a personality. Not super ex- that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's not, he's not a, obviously a comic book character. No, no, anything. no. He's very... Which I thought, yeah, he did a great job, and I think that would have helped a little bit more if we saw him grow up. We, we were kind of grown with him, and we understand his personality better, to where if he's more of a reserved person... But then you can let loose those small tweaks in your acting performance throughout the movie where the audience will immediately get, oh, he's mad by that or he doesn't like that. Which I, another b- biopic, which is uh, Aviator. Leonardo DiCaprio did a great job to where mm-hmm. the camera would just go to him. You could see that character did not like certain things. Like someone, uh, Adam Scott, touching. Uh, his peas at the uh, dinner table and in, uh, in the club that they were at, and you would see Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio twitch or just yeah, yeah. You would get those small instances to where you kind of learn about him as a person. But by the end, um, same thing. They had a Senate hearing about is he um, American? Is he like they had that same kind of tone? But then it was, you felt that emotional payoff to where right. he's like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. And whether he was a good person or not, the audience was with him yeah. on their side. Um, that's what I felt was kind of missing with this is, like, what am I supposed to be feeling? Am I supposed to be feeling sorry for Oppenheimer? Am I supposed to be mad at him for creating this? Or, like, what, what is, what's right. the point almost? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of story crammed into three hours. Mm-hmm. I thought it could have been two separate movies, like, Making the bomb and then the the whole the whole aftermath of that. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't do that though. Wouldn't that be typical Hollywood if it was like Oppenheimer? Yeah, that would have been one. <laughs> and they probably wouldn't have had the second movie. They would have had to film both at the same time. Yeah. Um, I'm so I'm glad they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I I appreciate that they attempted to fit all because it is so much. Yeah. Fit fit into th- even though it's a long movie, it's a lot to fit into three hours. Yeah. I uh, but. Yeah, I mean that was my overall. I mean I was let down by it. I was too. And uh, but that's okay. I'll watch it again. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably. You know, we'll, we'll see some the behind the scenes stuff. Or, yeah, I mean I'm interested to see how they did about the bomb. I know they set up several. Uh, they did it with as little CGI as possible, yeah. and they used a manual explosion to get that explosion. But they they created the the uh, explosion in such a way to where it would give them that mushroom yeah. cloud effect and everything else, but then yeah. they go in there and tweak uh, things like that. But I, I didn't know that people were just outside watching the explosion. Mm-hmm. The whole time I'm thinking, you know, because I was on a sub, yeah. I'm like, you guys are raining down radioactive. <laughs> like, 
you guys need to get out, out of here? there like now. Like you guys are where you're not supposed <laughs> to lick the mer- mercury. Yeah, like right. Just I love that line. Like uh, you should put some of this on. He's like, no, I'm fine. Glasses here. I was just laughing in my yeah. seat. Like, well, God. that and I like the uh, the guy who's like, don't look at the flash without glasses. And the guy that says that immediately walks out of the bunker and he's just standing there in yeah. open view, staring at it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, what I I do like. I'm glad that this movie is successful and a lot of people do like it because I want to see more directors. Yeah. I would love to see a very, like I want to see more dramatic movies shot in IMAX and I want to see what other directors can bring to the table with that large format. Um, Because obviously everyone's better at something else than the other person. So I'd I'd love to see other directors be able to bring their own vision to a table in a large format like that for dramatic storytellings and not just reserve IMAX for big budget comic book movies or um, big budget like Mission Impossible or anything like right. that. A Wes Anderson IMAX biopic. That fantastic. <laughs> That'll make its money back in. I agree. Uh, Wes Wes Anderson would make his money back in a heartbeat uh, if he shot in IMAX. No no question. What would that be? (laughs) I don't know. It would probably be about a squirrel. A squirrel? Yeah. Yeah. Million dollars. Well, do you have anything on Oppenheimer? Nope. I'm good. Uh, So I kind of changed my mind. Go see it. I mean, if you're going to see it, see it in the theater, give it a shot. Yeah. I mean... I, I, again, I'm starting to talk myself and I'm like, it's not as bad as... No, it, no, it's not a bad movie by yeah. all. It's just, it, for me, it just didn't hit emotionally. Yeah. And I didn't feel emotionally invested in the story. And But I watched it in the middle of the day. I was well-rested. I wasn't tired or anything. I wasn't hungover. And I, it just still didn't, didn't work <laughs> for me. It wasn't my cup of tea, which is fine. All right, right. Yeah. Um, but I'm a dummy, so that's okay. Oh, you're smart. Uh, don't be so hard on yourself. But, uh, but yeah, that's uh, wrapping up our talk with Oppenheimer. We'd like to thank again. Thanks, uh, Alan. Thank you, Alan, for chiming in. And thank you, PopCon, uh, for having us. Uh, looking forward to next year. And next time on A Cast With No Name, which, mm-hmm. where you can listen to us on Spotify or YouTube or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, we're on there. Uh-huh. Uh, CastWithNoName.com. Please follow us, rate us. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. But next time, we will be talking about the number one rated video game adaptation yes. to film. To film, yeah. Werewolves Within. So that'll be next episode, uh, which is currently streaming now on Hulu if uh, you would like to check out that film before our next episode. Uh, but again, thank you for having us. I hope you enjoyed the show, and everyone have a good time for day three of PopCon Indie. Till next time, Jay. Till next time, Matt.